All right, welcome everyone to the Drive and Protect podcast number 33, live from Detailers Domain, the second annual East Coast Detailing Seminar with the Rupas team, of course. The only guys that I touch with, <laughs> the men, supermen, I call them, Jason Superman. Rose to my left, who's just signed one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine jars of green M&Ms. More green on that M&Ms. later. I wish I could eat them myself, but we're going to give them away. Yes, and to my right, the esteemed Dylan Van Kleist. Esteemed, that's strong wording, and I'd just like to point out there was 12 jars of M&Ms before you started <laughs> signing. <laughs> All right, so we are live, uh, like I said, from Detailers Domain. We have a huge crowd of, of detailers here that are dying to ask a lot of amazing questions. I'm looking at everyone, uh, hoping they're going to ask a lot of questions, and uh, they're going to come by and sit down uh, at the chair and uh, shoot their questions out. So... What's going to happen right now is because I have 15 things going on right now and I'm managing volumes, you're going to be in charge of it. So All ahead. right, so let's see. Who's, who's got a good question for us? Cisco, you've been dying to ask a question. So you you come have a seat and you, you sir, I'll decide if it's worth M&Ms or a blaster sidekick from Metrovac. <clears throat> okay. My name is David. I'm from David. New York. Thank you. Uh, my question is um, to the three of you, when did you guys decide to start detailing? At what point in life made you... When the car got dirty. (laughs) So when I came out of the womb. (laughs) From birth. (laughs) Um, I'll start. So mine actually starts with um, I wanted a car. Okay. You know, 16-year-old kid, high school. Um, I had absolutely no marketable skills. So my choices were, A, mow lawns, B, wash cars and make them shiny. And I was good at doing that. So a buddy of mine and I actually started a business, and I was able to uh, finance the purchase of my first car and and of course, I put gas in it and that kind of stuff. So the the detailing thing was born out of necessity. I wasn't necessarily uh, enthusiastic about it to start. No sixteen year old kid wants to work that hard. But uh, I found my home apparently because uh, here we are. God, twenty one years later, and I'm still doing it. So great. Here we are. You guys, anything, Larry? Jason, go ahead. Take over. Yeah. So it started with me in high school when I had an opportunity to buy my first car and. Um, I had to come up with 600 bucks and uh, just started washing neighbors' cars and waxing neighbors' cars, and it snowballed from there. I worked myself all the way through college, completely 100% pol- you know, polishing cars, financed my, uh, my four-year degree. So uh, that, was, uh, that was my start, just basically started in high school and, and uh, never really stopped. Uh, not to be boring, but that's basically the same exact thing I did. High school... Uh, made a bunch of money, you know, made enough money to buy the first Mustang, which was like my crazy car that I dreamt about. Um, did it through college. Um, and then when I got out, I did, I think, oh boy, my wife's calling, that's a trouble. Uh, <laughs> uh, don't let her listen to this later. Yeah. Um, should I get this for you? No, thank you. And so then, uh, yeah, I went through college. And then when I got out, I think some of you may know, I did uh, the, the uh, mercantile exchange kind of thing, because yeah. that's what you're supposed to do when you come out of the, you know, college, blah, blah, blah. And I really disliked it and uh, was smart enough to make a decision. I got lucky enough to say, hey, I'd just rather wash cars, which was what I'm doing today. So that's uh, 15 cool. years later. So that same, cool. basically the same exact yeah. thing. We all start from similar places. I bet you that story is told over and over again. Right. And for your participation, for being the first guy who is so enthusiastic, you get a blaster sidekick. Please take that. Thank you for your question. Thank you. Not everybody's going to get one of those, by the way. For those of you listening in podcast land who can't see what's happening, we have uh, prizes here. Metro Blaster Sidekicks, M&M's. We've given away a Rupes Duetto uh, LHR-12. We've given away a nano kit um, to the lucky participants here. And so, um, unfortunately, because you're listening to this after we recorded it, uh, you you won't win anything. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's true. All right. Let's get right, a line of people see. here. Who wants to go next? How about you? Glasses. Step on up to the microphone. I got to come up with very basic descriptors here. You blue shirt. You glasses. Short guy. Um, my name. My name's Daniel. I'm from New Jersey. Um, how would you guys recommend getting a job at like a dealership or oh, like a detail question. shop? Very good, good question. You want to go, Rose? You've got more experience. Yeah. So car dealers, um, obviously, they you know touch a lot of cars. They when they sell a car, they clean it up. When the car comes in for service, they clean it up. So uh, they also do the complete reconditioning when a car comes in for uh, a resale or a trade-in. Um, but it's a great place to work as a detailer. You work as a team with other detailers usually. 
but the thing to do there is to prepare yourself with some certification because if you if you walk in the door and you lay down your resume and your experience in detailing but you also back that up with for example international detailing association uh, certification uh, that certification does hold some well weight with uh, car dealers because it it demonstrates that you had the initiative to go get yourself tested, and uh, it's a great thing to lead in with. Yeah, you're not just one of dozens of guys who showed up and said, "I want to, I want to work in your detail department." Yeah. you know, which is a you know, well, guys like us, no, no marketable skills, and you go, mm, "I can wash cars." At least if you have a certification of some kind, so, something that's shown that you you had the the initiative to go learn, get certified, at least take some take some time to prove that you know what you know. That right there, it's it's your job interview is going to go that much better, right? Yeah. I'm so, going to ask you a question over there. What's the purpose behind going to a dealership versus something else? What What are you thinking? Uh, Get closer just, to the microphone. I just think it's a, a good starting place. Whereas, you know, like if you're trying to start out on your own, you know, I feel like it's a little bit more difficult because you're trying to like not not that many people know you, and it's just yeah. Like, fair fair enough. I mean, yeah. you start your own business, but I would yeah. pose another question to or another thought. Maybe try to find a detail shop that you respect to work there. I think you're, in one. Yeah, I think your learning curve, I'm speaking from you know my own opinion here, obviously. Yeah. If you go to a detail shop, work your way up there, those guys, I'm being I'm generalizing here, uh, tend to be more focused on uh, creating a beautiful product versus how fast can we get this car done because we have 50 right. more behind them. That's just a thought. But yeah. I don't know. There's pros and cons to it. Right, I mean, yeah. Yeah, you go to a high-end detail shop, you're going to have nicer cars. You're going to have uh, more thorough uh, services that you're providing and things like that. So it's definitely uh, – you might actually get, I would say, more pay perhaps. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. But on the other side, the car dealers, you know, they're big companies, and they tend to have benefits. And I don't know if you have a wife and kids or whatever, but no. they would they would have health benefits. They would have – more developed uh, compensation packages because it's a, a much larger company usually. Right. So I would um, also say the, the guys that I do know that are in that environment and dealerships that are a little more skilled get very frustrated. And this isn't true of all, but I would say it's right. true of a lot of them. They get frustrated because they want to deliver perfect. Right. Right. And in a dealership environment, you're not going to do perfect. You're going to do fast. You're going to do better. But you're rarely dealerships aren't delivering perfect cars. It's just getting it out. Getting it out as best you can. So you can learn. And there's nothing wrong with that. The production detailing is a very noble there, there's profession. Some right? big, there's some big companies out there that do that yeah. that make unbelievable money. Yeah. Like that yeah. take yeah. over you know, and, states. Yeah. And it's you're doing one steps. You're doing express details, that kind of stuff. So if your passion is for making things perfect, you're not going to do that the dealership level it's right. a great place to learn production detailing but if you want to go in there like i want to make every car perfect i need eight hours on it the the detail the dealership's gonna laugh at you they're gonna say no we we, we spend 30 minutes per car we yeah. one step it and then we walk on and that's it and so um depending on where your heart is in terms of what you want to do um in in the detailing industry consider that as well so their their input on uh you know going to a detail shop versus a dealership you can take either path and nothing says you have to stick with one you can learn in one and jump to the other so Good question. Good question. A question that up some M&M. This podcast brought to you by. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for the question. All right. We'll Look go. at all the hands up. This is amazing. Who you? Yeah, Jason, call. We're going to have you. Have a seat. Come on over. I like this guy because he calls me Mr. Casillo. Well, he, he also had me take video and pictures of him polishing for the very first time, and I think he's actually better than me. <laughs> <laughs> no, this guy, this guy here. What's your name? Alec Odoms from Hampton, Virginia. Yeah, so he he was vying for the uh, free nano here, you know, or the, oh. the giveaway nano, and he actually came up and he said, "Can you, you know, uh, let, get on my shoulders so we can take a picture and win the <laughs> win the nano picture?" Yes, I, I still want to. I still want to see that picture. <laughs> <laughs> so he was trying. He was trying pretty hard. Awesome. So, what's your question? Yes, sir. Um, in my home state, there's not a big market for detailing. So, how do I go about creating? Uh, customers coming or getting them to find the the uh the drive to come to get their car detailed to see the purpose very, of it very good question um i'll say my my first tip would be the the game is awareness you have to make people aware of what detailing is the reason there's no demand probably and it, it could be a number of factors but the primary reason is maybe people just don't know what it is so um if you can identify a few clients to start there's got to be at least a few but then hosting open house events where you would invite in local car clubs and do a demo 
show, do a test patch on a guy's hood and show him what you can do for him. Once they see what it is, there'll be demand. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. they, they may not know yet that they need it, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, I would say also go to some car shows around the area. Um, you're just going to find people who are crazy about cars there. But be strategic where you're going to set up. So I'm going to be a little bit of the wet blanket business guy a little bit. Maybe if it's a bad area, you may not want to put up shop there. Maybe like if you live in a particular area, maybe you need to drive 20 minutes because that's a hotter area. You know what I'm saying? You don't necessarily need to put your business in your backyard. If you live in, you get what I'm saying. So I have, okay. no, I have no idea where you. You, you get yeah. my point. Yeah, right? I get what you're saying. And, and I'd also say on top of that, even diversify your services. You don't have to do high-end detailing. Not every area supports high-end detailing. If there's not Lamborghinis, Ferraris, and Astons rolling around everywhere, then maybe there isn't that high detailing market. But there very well may be a express detail business. Where yeah, you're there's a lot, of, lot of money in express detailing. Yeah, lot detailing. That's why I first started too. There's going to be a dealership in your area. There's just no doubt, right? There's car dealerships mm-hmm. somewhere within driving distance. Yes, sir. Right? If you can do lot detailing, which is basically, I would take that truck that's outside that stands now, and I had a big water tank in there. I would, I'd have one dude drive the truck, which is usually me for insurance purposes, <laughs> make sure nobody died. <laughs> and then I'd have one of my guys stand out in the back with a hose and literally spray down as we would drive. That's called the lazy man's version of it, but we would spray down as we would go. And then we would jump out and, and, and wipe them down. It was like, God, this, I don't know, maybe five Maybe seven years ago or whenever when I was doing that, it, it's what I call blood money. I mean, you're, you're exhausted. You go through 8,000 towels because you're wiping it down. You go through a ton of product, but you, you get like volume. $7 a car, whatever the heck it was, but you have 600 cars to do. So you're there for the day. Now, so, are you, is your business um, going to be mobile or a shop? I'll, I would like to start off mobile, but my ultimate goal would be to start a school up to teach people how uh, to do it. I work for the school system. In my home state, and there's a lot of kids who unfortunately have made some bad choices. So mm-hmm. I would like to be able to give them a way out to not pursue uh, crime. Yeah, that's no, awesome that's, of you. That's, that's a very that's laudable. A really awesome idea, too. And I think, you know, like I said, I was a kid with no skills. I wasn't exactly the best kid in the world, and detailing was kind of my first professional thing. So it could be a, uh, you know, like these guys that will be over dramatic, but say, detailing saved my life, you know. It, it could be for some of these kids, though, they're in you know hard luck situations because they've never been given an opportunity or to- taught a skill. You yes, can teach them a skill. They come to work for you, man. You could build a small army of guys out there doing lots. So profitable and doing something good for the community. That's, that's really cool. There's really, somebody really cool. up in um, New Hampshire that I got to find his name and put him in touch with you. He has a training, the same sort of scenario that you're talking about right now. He does for like college level kids or whatever. There's like a class to try to get kids to focus on um, that sort of thing, too. So if I can find out who this guy is, I can't remember. But. I'll, I'll put you in touch with them for sure. Okay, thank you. Yeah, no worries. That deserves that, sir. Yeah. That was an excellent question. And plus, you you, ju- you had somebody jump on your back, so I got to at least give you that. So thank you, sir. He's going to walk yeah. away with a master blaster, a uh, master sidekick. Appreciate the time. Yeah. No thank worries. Best wishes for, for your goals. Yes, that those sir. are yeah. very awesome goals. Yeah. We'll see you hopefully next year at the event, and you can update us, and they'll be he'll have a small army of guys with him that'll be all. I will be out. back. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank, thank you so much. All right. So, Joanne, who else? Who? We got questions, questions, questions. How about our person who won both, that count, was able to count M&Ms oh, like a champion? Man. I think she should come and explain to us how. Let, let's explain this. She's very yeah, wanna, there was an M&M jar, two of them, and she and her husband guessed in two different competitions in one, and I believe there was some cheating involved, but we can't prove it. There may have been performance-enhancing <laughs> drugs. I want to know how she won you know, counting M&Ms when she's allergic to And she's allergic to chocolate. Beans or something. This is all very suspicious. <laughs> Well, it's average, actually. I count at the bottom, and then I gave it an average. She used math. These are detailers. We don't do math. <laughs> math. Come on. That's great. Okay, so go ahead and repeat your name, since we all know it, but you can say it in the microphone for podcast land. Uh, my name is Christina Lawrence, and I own Lawrence Detailing in Groton, Connecticut. Awesome. All right, and your question? Um, actually, I had two of them. Oh, wow. So well, she did win two prizes. She does get to ask two questions. Right. Well, so my first question was, um, I have somebody who wants a Model T detailed, and I know it's a single-stage paint, but my question is, what would you guys advise on how to make it look not new, but, you know, make it look nice again? Because it's been out in the garage in a barnyard pretty much, and it kind of looks grummy. You're talking about a authentic era Model T. And it hasn't yes. been painted. And it has not it been, hasn't been painted. So I, I would measure that paint like, yeah. No, I, w- I would say don't walk the other way, run the other way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it, that's the kind of thing where you get into a preservation project where you are you don't want to remove paint. Polishing it would be a bad idea. The, the paint on a car that if it survived that long, it's only 
very the original fragile. ones, it's extremely fragile. It's going to come off at a very crazy high rate. Yeah, so that's maybe even hand. You know, the most I would do it is just maybe hand hand wipe it with some wax or maybe a cleaner wax at the most. But I definitely would recommend you don't hit it with machines. Yeah, I was. That's what I was leaning towards. Yeah. Is just doing it all by hand. Maybe yeah. uh, light wax. Does do it run? Spot. Does it is it driven or is it like in the woods? It's driven. Okay, so like they you, drive you, it in the summer occasionally for the grandkids. Okay, so you can put water on, is what I'm saying. It's yes, not, it's not gonna like all collapse. Yeah, it's no, yeah, no. It's been in a it's been in a barn. So like. th- this is like that line in detailing, I think, where you have to decide. We were talking about it on the wing. How far do you want to go with this? And this particular one, I there's I'm constantly doing this weighting of pluses and minuses and what the benefits mm-hmm. and not. You're walking a fine line there. If you if the per, if the your customer whoever says, hey, I want you to, I really need you to get into this car and make it look perfect. This is where you got to have the guts to say, I don't know if I can. You know, I can, I'm only going to go to this level because I feel comfortable with this. Anything after that, you know, I may not take or maybe sign, have them sign something. I don't, I don't know. You, it's a, I mean, it's a huge thing to your customer, too, if you explain to them why you're choosing true. not to do an invasive pro- process. Because, again, I'd say the same thing to them. I just said it's only original once, and it's very rare for it to be original for this long. So explain to them what you can do very, very very low invasive things, waxes. I'm going to try and preserve it. I want to keep the patina as it is. Um, most customers, especially if this is sentimental and they're taking the kids out in it and stuff, they they are going to appreciate that knowledge and that the fact that you should find care. Because there's a lot of people who go, hell yeah, I'll polish it out and then you know ruin it and it's you know, never coming back. You have your that. reputation to think of. Like yeah. if he's paying you, I'm making up a number, a hundred dollars. Is that really worth the chance of jeopardizing your you know your reputation over that? So that. Keep all those things in mind, because like Jason said, I think he was kidding, but not really. Yeah, I'd kind of, <laughs> I'd slowly job. walk slash run in the other direction. <laughs> yeah, tough. All right, question number question? two. Uh, for you, by the way. Thank you. Uh, my second question is, uh, wraps are becoming a popular thing in my area. How do you guys detail that? I mean, I know you really can't do no. much to it, but. No abrasives. Yeah, you, you could. Something. Alrighty then. Wow, there's something loud. Um, yeah, there's not a whole lot you can do. No abrasives, like Larry said. Um, any abrasive that you do use has to be extremely fine, um, depending on its gloss or matte. You've got and you the, can't heat it up too much. Yeah, obviously. you can't heat it up, and polishing is going to be a friction process. So you got to manage your heat there. Um, in my experience, personally, I cleaning work only. Uh, any polishing work, I attempt to do kind of hand work, like lightly rub out some marks and things like that, but. Um, that's the trade-off of the wrap. It's cheaper than paint to put on, but also needs to be replaced if it gets damaged to a certain point. So most people who have a car wrapped would probably understand that. Comments on wraps? Well, I would recommend if you have the ability to learn from the customer what the material is, what brand of a wrap it is, mm. because you could. Uh, there's lots of options on wraps. There's lots of brands, lots of different types. And you could Google that particular uh, wrap material and it will tell you if it's pos- polishable or not, because some of them are actually not polishable. Some of them are, and mm-hmm. it would state that on a text sheet for that wrap. So it, it, it depends on how much time you want to put into trying to educate yourself on what that particular wrap is. But a lot of times, the customer bringing you the car, they know exactly what kind of wrap it was. You say, which brand was it? What, what's the part number of the wrap? You can quickly Google that, and it'll you'll learn a lot just by a Google search. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you for the question. All right. Cool. And what awesome. did she win here? You can we just a gave plug. her. We well, then we just gave her a set of uh, Rupa's white foam pads. If she's detailing something as delicate as an original paint bottle tea, she could use some white. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. Excellent product placement. What a <laughs> and some more M and M's, right? You want <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no more. She, she's the one. The inside joke. She won. She won two. Yeah, we Cases can't give her anything else. <laughs> and she's allergic to cocoa beans or something. <laughs> yeah. Okay, who's up? Stuff up? Another one? Let's Somebody go. pick. He's close. Let's go. You're, you're two steps away. Why not? All right, then we got to hit these the guys microphone. over here. Yeah, we'll, then we'll hit these guys. Being, being right room. Hey, how you doing, guys? My name is Robert. Um, I started my own company called Combat Cody's. Um, I started because I'm a veteran. You know, just retired from the military, so I started my own thing. Um, Two questions. Um, There's a whole bunch of companies out there pushing... Um, dual action polishes mm-hmm. right now what set group has above them Ooh. How, how, oh. how about, how about, there's an underhanded lob jason how about, how about i answer it 
You yeah, because I watch all your videos on YouTube there, Larry. So Right. So I'll give a whack. Uh, you know, I'll try to do it because obviously, and then I'll let them chime in. But yeah, we're <laughs> I, I get, we're a little biased, aren't yeah, we? I yeah. might be. Yeah. Yeah. You're unbiased. So I get no paychecks. I get none of that stuff from uh. Rupes, so I can call it straight. But I've gone to the factory, as I'm sure. I I've, saw your video. You got yeah. the white one, huh? Yeah. So the, these guys, uh, when they're making their tools, it is pretty hardcore process of uh, of every single piece is very specific. I think for uh, you know every polisher, and they have designated areas where they're making it. Why am I saying all this stuff? Because I've seen other things where it's kind of just plug and play. Like, hey, this is the one part that goes into every single polisher. I'm trying to be a little sensitive here right. if you catch my drift. So when they're, when they're making the 21 or the 15 or the LHR 75, there's a dude who desi designs that specific tool to do a specific thing with a specific part. To me, that's very important. It's kind of like uh, I, I'm not a big fan of a product that does everything. Because right. when you do everything, you do nothing well, I think. Mm -hmm. They do, they design specific um, surgical tools, I think. Um, and they have a few a few products to meet different needs. So for me, uh, that's like the technical, uh, that's actually not technical, let them do that part. But what, from me looking at it in my eyes and, and there, that's the part that I got from the, the easy thing is they their tool to me is much smoother. Uh, and it's sort of like, and I make an analogy to cars, like Ferrari, and putting aside that they're Italian and the whole thing, and that joke, but <laughs> a Ferrari is very voluptuous, very smooth, very um, uh, beautiful, precise. precise, right? Versus, let's say, Lamborghini. And I, I love both of them. They're great, right? A Lamborghini is more <laughs> horsepower and more, look at me, and I'll, I, can, I can chew up anything. And that's cool. And I, I respect both of them. For me personally... Uh, the smoothness is very important. I'm a tall giraffe mm -hmm. of an animal, and if I have to <laughs> lean over and have a tool that's like a Lamborghini, it Bouncing literally around. it literally throws my spine and my mm -hmm. back out. That's me personally. So that's from a layman perspective. I'm using air quotes versus I'm going to stop talking and let the technical people talk. Uh -huh. But you know, that that's from me who I don't work there. So I'll let Jason or Dylan. You want to you want to take it? I'll I'll say one thing that I don't think you're going to say. There's legacy. To our company. This is a company that was founded in 1947 um, after World War II as a tool manufacturer. And uh, for anybody who's been through the Bigfoot 101 or any of the presentations, really, we call out first company to ever use a plastic housing tool to reduce weight. Not because they needed to, but because they thought, hmm, these are probably, these metal tools are pretty heavy and hard on the guys using them. We should make them lighter so it's easier to use. The first orbital palm sander, the first gear-driven sander. I mean, the, the, there's a long history of innovation. Bigfoot is just the first thing that most people are aware of. I'm, I'm not right. going to plead that I knew about Rupes before Bigfoot because I didn't. Um, but since 1947, this company has been doing things that nobody else does. And so it's interesting to be with the company that sets the market versus the one that's chasing it because there was no large orbit tool running around until uh, Bigfoot came on. Now there's Listen, they make many. tools. But remember that thing we were talking about, like being specific and precise and like uh, – you know, being yeah, a sniper. I saw the they video in the tools. warehouse. I saw that video when you were in their warehouse right. and going around. They don't do like it. 50 million things and mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, we'll make some tools too. They make tools. Yeah. And so, like, for me, that's really important. If you make cars, make cars. Don't make 50 million things and then cars. Mm -hmm. So that's from my perspective. Again. Uh, now, my so, other question. Oh, I'm sorry. Go yeah, my, my answer would be that, you know, the Bigfoot tool, when it hit the tool category, it actually filled a space between rotary performance and an orbital tool performance. So for many years up to that point, there was this gap in performance between what a rotary can do and what an orbital tool can do. And up to that point, high-end detailers and nerd, you know, nerds about polishing, they would try their best to get severe defects out with an orbital tool. And up until Bigfoot hit the scene, that was either not possible or it took too much time. So the Bigfoot came on at perfect timing when everybody was really eager to get the most cut and the best finish out of an orbital-type polisher. And uh, I think it just filled a strong need, and it was a game-changer. Yeah, if, yeah, and talking about what you're saying, what we used, uh, what I used to do back then is, is cut with the rotary yeah. and then try to finish with orbital. With the orbital, yeah. and it's like... Another thing, it's, you know, trying to simplify stuff. Yeah. And then when the Bigfoot came out, you know, that kind of combined the two of them. Yeah, I think that's a great explanation of yeah. how that works. Uh, my other question was um, a lot of car, a lot of people doing that clear bra on their cars, right? So mm -hmm. when you're doing paint correction, they don't want to remove that clear bra. But the clear bra, it's, it, 
you know, it had swirls on it. It's a little yellowish. Is there any way of correcting that? You know, very similar to the question about the wraps. You, I mean, mask that if it's a partial wear bra, you know, which some of them, they less and less happens, but that, that still does happen. Mask that edge off. Um, depending on what the film is, some of them can be polished, other mm-hmm. ones can't be. So it's going to be a exercise with you to ex- kind of explore with your customer. Hey, what what brand is it? When did you have it put on? Who put it on? You can, you're going to need to do some research on the back end and say, okay, this is SunTech or it's 3M or it's Oracle or whoever it is. Um, find out what their factory recommendation is because there are ones that if you try and polish, you can actually make them look really bad. Mm-hmm. And there's other ones that you can polish lightly and actually they correct like paint. So it, it's such a um, an inside joke from yesterday. It depends. It depends. <laughs> well, to clarify though, are you talking about paint defects that are underneath the clear or no? No, does the you know um like say a brand new car just out the dealership um, yeah. Um, after years of washing and stuff, the, the clear bar just starts having marks in it or turning oh, okay. yellowish. Okay. You got to remember, the clear yeah. bras got it. They don't have a. Li- it's not a long. You know, what, it's not six, a twenty year life. Years yeah, at, max. At, at, yeah, at yeah. most. So they're. they're Remember, clear bra companies would go out of business if you put a clear bra on and never did it anything. Yeah. You, you have to take them off and put them back on. So at that point, if it's that bad and you, it's, it's five, six just years, recommend to take it off. just take it off and put a new one on. And well, the technology yeah. has advanced every single year with clear bra. Like, like the self healing ones and all the different yeah, stuff. Yeah, so by on. the time you put that other one on five years ago, I can guarantee you <laughs> it's going to look way better than, you know, than it was five years ago. And another point to add is that if that is the case, that several years later that clear bra is degrading and it has defects, then it's actually served its purpose. It's it, exactly. The reason it's there is to sacrificial be a sacrificial layer. barrier. Great, great point. And if you're noticing defects, notice, noticing aging of that material, hey, that's that protected the car from doing that, you know? It's brilliant. All right, thanks, guys. Hey, thank right you. And we're giving him a set of Rupa's microfiber cutting pads. Larry can take a poster. All right, hit All right. one of these guys over here before they throw something. At All us. right, which one? Eeny, meeny, my. How about you were in the advanced class? You deserve, and then oh. we'll do yours. So come on, come on. We can come on down and ask your question. One of our students from uh, yesterday's advanced class still joined. wearing a smock. He's still wearing the apron. He slept in it, I believe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, my name is Kevin from New Jersey. Uh, what are your guys' recommendations or your uh, your plans of attack when doing a paint correction on paint that's so soft? Even your towels are scratching. You guys have any tips or uh, the you know, same ideas is that, so that I go back. Board. Yeah, run. <laughs> I, knew, I, knew, I knew exactly. I was already ahead of you. Don't run, do don't it. walk. Uh, Only take easy jobs. That's yeah. the the yeah. message we're going to give you here. Um, Yikes! I, I, it's it's one of those things that you've got to get to the root cause. We talked about this real briefly mm-hmm. yesterday about um, in the advanced class. We talked about under clear, under cured, or basically paints that would not cure because they were cocktailed incorrectly. Um, you know, they're just not going to harden up. Um, that might be the case. So you want to identify whether or not it's a really soft clear or if it's actually a clear that is undercured. because if that's the case, nothing is going to mm. fix it. You're, you're, you're stuck in a reality with everything you do to it is going to mess it up. Yeah. Um, that being said, uh, Jason, extremely soft. Do you want to review our, our chart from uh, the advanced class? What do we want to do on extremely soft paint surfaces? Well, there are things you can do to adjust technique. So, you know, given your polisher, your pad, your compound, whatever that combination is, but you can adjust technique in such a way to, uh, re- you know, adjust to that soft paint. So you want to be less aggressive, obviously. Mm-hmm. So you want to adjust that app- application of a polish. So you can actually be less aggressive by choosing less aggressive materials. So go to a lighter polish, go to a lighter pad, mm-hmm. uh, and then you can change your technique with the tool. It's a whole day-long class. I would encourage you to to do. <laughs> <laughs> you should come to the advanced class. Wait a minute. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's it, it's another one of those, unfortunately, inside joke. Depends. Just Depends. because it, the, the cause of that softness is what's really mm-hmm. going to determine your plan of action. So until you can identify why it is that soft, if it is just a naturally soft paint or an undercured paint or whatever the issue yeah. might be, um, so wait a second. When he does decide which one it is, did you guys answer that, or did I just miss yeah, it? Yeah, to Jason's point, if it's if it's under if it's under cured or improperly cocktailed paint, it's just never going to cure properly, and it's so buttery soft that everything screws it up. That's a paint issue. You can't. And you how can, does that? And the reason you you find that is it just it's not working for you. Improperly mixed paint. Yeah, generally. I'm just saying when you're standing in front of the car, oh, how yeah, do yeah, I yeah. know? Yeah, I mean it, it, it's I've, there's a few things. I mean, if I, well, you can ask the customer. You can ask the customer how recently it was painted. You can talk to the paint. Yeah, shop but how does he paint. know the cocktail is wrong? Because nobody intentionally the paint made that. shop might be able to tell him if they what process they used. Also, there will be a solvent note to a lot of them, especially if it's really fresh. If you start buffing mm-hmm. it and you get a solvent smell, 
Um, we experienced this. We talked about this on the podcast, I think, two CMS ago. Our Fiats in the demo booth were so recently painted that when people got really aggressive with them, it opened the paint back up, and you could smell the solvent in yeah, the paint. Like, it was fresh paint. Um, so if you do a really light pass, and all of a sudden there's this, hmm, I can smell the solvent coming out of this. That right. might be your first clue that there is this undercured reality living underneath that top crust of paint that you've, you've opened it up and you're letting that solvent out again. That would be one way. Jason would probably well, the other Well, the other way is no matter what you do, you muddy up the paint and it doesn't come out good. So if you're trying all these different things, mm -hmm. and if everything you're doing is hazing up the paint and not not bringing clarity, there's a very good chance that that paint is undercured. Mm -hmm. And it mm -hmm. will. There's nothing you as a detailer can do about that. At, if you are experiencing that, uh, you need to get back to the customer and perhaps tell them, "Hey, this is a paint issue that." Uh, I it's can't not, fix. It's not ready to be polished. Yeah. Um, there's also, you know, you can obviously fingernail test it, see if it takes a dent from a fingernail. Mm -hmm. That's not a dead giveaway, but that's... Yeah, if you're, if you're making an impression with a finger or a fingernail, that's undercured yeah, paint. Yeah, I heard uh, Joe, Joe Fernandez talk about that Yeah, before. I mean, it's for everybody out there, if you take your thumbnail and press it lightly into the paint and it leaves a little mark, an indent from your nail, that's a pretty clear indicator that the paint is so soft and undercured that it's, it's not ready. It can't be polished because you can't even touch it without causing damage, so... Excellent question. Do you want to expand any more on that? Or are we good? I think we've covered it all. Is that, does that answer suffice? Yeah. He he looks much more educated as when he sat down. And when he's <laughs> when he's how does he look more educated? He's wearing glasses. Larry, this is a podcast. They can't see him. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you take that last blaster sidekick with you um, for answering uh, asking a good question and expanding on a topic we talked about yesterday? Oh, look at so. everybody just walk away right there. That was I know that was the last one, and there, nobody else wants to ask questions. Hey, we still have free Rupa's pads. We have other stuff here. Thank you, guys. I appreciate your time. Hey, yeah, thank thanks you for, for the your question. question. That's a good All right, one. If you got a question? Come on down. Come on down. How you doing, guys? Brendan from Jersey. Um, we had no idea you were from Jersey. <laughs> hey, listen, I've seen some Virginia plates, Massachusetts plates out there. I, I was kidding based know. on the accent. Guys. More the accent. <laughs> uh, I just want to give a little background before I, I ask the question so maybe I'd be able to get a better answer for it. Uh, lost my job uh, almost three months ago. Uh, okay, get another was trying one. To figure oh. out, <laughs> was trying to figure out what to do because I didn't like the line of work. I, I loved working on cars. Uh, my wife and I decided to, well, I'm sorry, my, my fiance and I decided to use our wedding money to help put together a mobile detailing business. Mm. So I wanted to know what, uh, you know, what would be like, I guess, the best plan of attack or best advice you'd be able to give me as far as, uh, you know, going about the business and uh, the, the what tools should I be looking to get first or, or you know, work the business towards? Wow, no pressure, huh? Yeah, that's yeah. not just just his entire employment. Put your wedding <sighs> wedding money on the line here. I I, I I not not all of it, but you know, it just sure. we 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 Spend wind up pushing. Spent, quite frankly, I uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're not that. Yeah, that, <laughs> oh, that, that was, oh, 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 <laughs> might listen to this. Um, I, I hesitate to recommend specific tools because uh, I don't know who you're going to be servicing. So that that's it, that's another one of those inside joke. It depends, um, but. There's some key things you have to have. If you're going to offer polishing services, obviously you have to have a polisher. Um, as a agent of Rupa's, I'm going to go ahead and recommend a Bigfoot 15. Definitely looking at that. That's one of the things I asked about. The, and, and I say that because it's going to be the most versatile one that you could get. Um, a 21 is is great, but it's going to be harder to get all of the car with that. You're not still not going to get all of it with a 15, but you're going to get more of it. So if uh, you know budget is a concern and you don't want to invest in a ton of equipment and you're trying to make key selections just in the early phases... 15 is a good place to start. Um, you know, if you can swing it, a smaller polisher so you can do edge work. Um, basic things. I mean, you got to be able to wash a car, obviously. Um, you got to have buckets. You got to have a pressure washer. You got. You should have a generator. You should have a vacuum. It, but it all depends on what level of service you're going to offer. If you're just trying to offer express details, say I'm going to vacuum, clean the inside, do one step polishes on the outside, make them look better, not perfect. Um, you can get by doing that. There's a, there's tons of business for that. Not everybody wants a perfect car. Um, Start off with that and then build I would, into... Yeah, I would totally encourage you to start with that level of service because you're going to attract more customers, first of all. Secondly, they're very repetitive, easy easy turn services, so you can do them over and over and over and get really good at it. Um, I'm talking about express services like a quick wax, a quick interior. Uh, there's a lot more customers for that type of service than the high-end stuff, uh, but I would say start there. What do you call it? Blood money, where you're just earning. It, you pay your dues, do that kind of stuff, 
it will build your business. You'll you'll get more customers that way. I did hear Larry say about uh, uh, dealership work. That's one thing that I actually had someone because uh, where I live, there's you, you turn around in 360. There's so many dealerships around. It's not even funny. Well, dealership so I work's did, tough to do. It's, though it's yeah. tough to do. It's hard customer. to get. And then yeah. the other thing I always caution people against is if you're going to go <sighs> purely after dealerships and say you land, let's say you get four counts, you get four four big dealerships and they've got a hundred cars piece. That's four hundred cars that you got to do a week. Okay, great money when it's rolling in. What happens when a guy comes in and does it for a dollar cheaper a car than you and the, those all four drive? Yeah, and, and remember, you nobody. It, you're 90 days out, too. Yeah. Just be heads up. Yeah, you're dealerships make you wait out. for your money. So I diversify as much as you can. If you, if you can pick up a dealership contract amongst doing the express detail service, awesome. That's that's, that's yeah. gravy money at that yeah. point. But you need to build a client base that is exclusively yours, people who are coming back to you for maintenance. Um, that's another big one. I mean, don't just focus on detailing. I mean, that's great. That's a one-time hit a year, maybe, right? They've got two cars two times. But if you can get them into a, hey, how about I come back once a month and I do a quick wash and an update on how your car is looking, do cleanup, make sure it's washed properly, you don't mess it up. That's where you're going to really start to steamroll money because now you every client you add, if you can get them to sign up and do a maintenance deal or you're going to check on them once a month, that's residuals. And that's that's what the game is. It, 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 I don't care if you're charging $3,000 a detail. There's only so many of those. And you can only do it so many times for the same guy. you got to have more for every person. So. Thank you. Yeah, I'd keep, keep that in mind with the um, – I lost my train of thought because we were talking <laughs> um, <laughs> dealerships. Yeah, there's a difference between dealerships and creating loyalty. That's like a big thing. So uh, going forward, try to create loyalty with your customer. If your customer happens to be a dealership, that's going to be a big rub as far as I'm concerned because like Dylan was saying, if it's literally a dollar cheaper, they will kick you to the curb really fast. Mm -hmm. So I would keep that in mind. I think everybody goes to dealerships first and learns it, and then after a while they kind of get chewed up spit out and then that dollar cheaper guy comes in yeah. so i'm just kind of yeah i agree i'm sort of predicting the future a little bit and trying to give you a heads up ahead of time if that makes sense i'm a little i'm a little downplaying the the dealership thing well and, and just being blunt because well, it's, it's one of those customers they have a, a very high expectations with um a very low you know payment they won't they want they want a lot for a little bit of money. Filet mignon uh, mine with a hamburger wallet. Hamburger wallet, <laughs> yeah. So that's why I say just just start your whole wheels turning with express services because the expectation, the bar is not set so high with those customers. You know, you're offering a service of, hey, I'm going to throw some wax on your car. And that's literally all you're doing. Uh, but if you do many of those over and over and over, if your local market can supply that kind of thing, there's a lot of money to be made. It's a lot of work. I mean, you're car after car after car. You're Blood doing, money, man. Yeah. But and you said you're going mobile? Yes. And emphasize yeah. the hell out of the mobile part. Yeah, yeah like, convenience. Hey, I, yeah. I come to you. Don't even worry yeah. about it. Like, you can wave from the window, you know, metaphorically from your work. That was a big thing. When I started, I would just go, hey, we, I'm in New York, so there's a lot of brokers. and so I'd go to the brokers. Those guys are just, oh, look how much money I have kind of thing, you know? So I would drive in, and they could see see all their wind, you know, their trading or whatever the, what they were doing up there. And I would do all the cars down there because they could look down. So I used, I was like, oh, that's a cool marketing thing. You can wave to me from your window. That's all. You don't have to do anything. Throw your keys out the window. So emphasize that kind of part because it just makes life, it just, it, the medicine goes down a lot easier. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Good question, man. And uh, I don't have a 15 for you, but I got two sets of pads for your Thank 15 you. when you, you buy it. Thank so you. we're going to send him away with some <laughs> blue and yellow Rupa's uh, pads for his 15 that he's going to get soon. Thank do you, you, do you like M&M's? Yeah, take some M&M's too. Take some. <laughs> Can we get an idea of how many questions we have more? Hey, who possibly? wants that? Anybody else want to ask a question? One, two, three, four, five. Oh, so we got a bunch. Okay. All right. So, Jason, pick one. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Show of hands. Uh, show of hands uh, in the back there. Right here? Yeah. There Step on up. Step up to the mic. And I'm just going to go ahead and give you yeah, blue M&Ms preemptively. Oh, Look at that. Thank you. Blue's my favorite color. So I, I knew that. Knew That's it. why I pulled those out. <laughs> I'm uh, Mike from Queens, New York. Nice to meet you, Mike. So I'm a mobile detailer. and uh, We've been doing it for about three years already. We advertise good quality products with good quality work for an affordable price because we cater mostly to the modified stand scene, you know, the cars that you see at car meets and car shows. Yeah. So the one thing that I really want to do is kind of venture out into luxury cars, higher end cars like this Aston Martin here. But what I noticed is that a lot of the owners like that, they prefer to go to a shop mm -hmm. and they will actually refuse a mobile detailer just because we're mobile and... I guess in their minds, we're not as good. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What would be your take on kind of getting those people through your door to 
kind of get me, the work from them. Let me ask one counter question to clarify yes. for them. Why do you want those customers? Honestly, first of all, it would be an honor to work on cars like that. Mm-hmm. Second of all, it would look really good for our Facebook page, Instagram page. And so you're looking I'm, for Halo work, basically. You don't want to make it your primary work, but you want to every once in a while have one of those to throw up and go, hey, yeah. we do Ferraris too. Okay. And not only that, but I mean, it is different kind of paint. It is different kind of work. Mm-hmm. The work you do on a Corolla that's lowered isn't the same work you would do on an Aston Martin. I, I, I'm, I'm jumping out of my pants right here to answer this one. Potentially here, I think you're opening yourself up to uh, things that may not be great, meaning... Some, if there's damage on this car, it's probably going to cost a lot more to fix than a Honda yeah, Civic, right? Of course. But I see the idea of making like a Facebook post and all those things, which is great. And I'm obviously a huge fan of that kind of thing. But when you start going from that first intermediate level of, uh, you know, fancy car, let's call them, generally that level is a huge pain in the butt. The <laughs> customer, the car, and uh, you spend a whole lot more time for less money on the car. And it's kind of this, when you pierce through that and get to the next level, then, then it starts getting really, really good. Right. But I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't say, hey, that first level kind of stinks. Right, but mm-hmm. to get to that higher level, you I would agree. have to go through I that. agree. I yeah. agree. I'm just saying it's not... It's a difficult thing. path it's because it is. There, It's going to be the most... And the reason they want to shop is... It's not saying you don't have insurance, but if, it's, if I've got an Aston and I drop it off in a shop and I know, like, for example, Phil here has shopkeeper's insurance, so I know my car, when it's here overnight, right. is protected... I know that he can take all the time he needs to get it done. And, and again, this doesn't say that you are rushing, but the, the perceived thing, I believe, for a lot of people is, be, well, if I bring a mobile guy out, he's either going to have to do it in my garage and mm. come back a couple days, or yeah. he's going to have to rush. And that may not be true, but that's the perception. So where, whereas they could bring it here, it's not their only car, so they don't mind being without it. A shop that's nice, air-conditioned, climate-controlled, that's going to get ultimate attention – they're going to they're gonna aim for that no matter what. You're going to find guys... I mean, in California, there's plenty of mobile guys who do lots of exotics. It happens. It, but yeah. it's, well, it's, it's more common that they're going to go into a shop. It's just it's the reality. So you're going to have to hunt very hard to find that exotic owner who's willing to let you mobile detail his car. When you find him, great, and build that catalog. But don't abandon your, your, your core work. I, I, would, I would tell you more. Harvest the, the network you're in now more than aim for a higher level. If you've got a niche... The stance car guys, that's a big niche. I mean, but if you're in there, I would work harder to get more of that market and dominate yeah. that market versus trying to expand Especially into markets if that you have no reputation. If that's profitable, if that's working for you, I would dive deeper into that niche. I totally agree with what Dylan's saying. And the other point to keep in mind is in the landscape of mobile detailers, if you put yourself in the perspective of the average consumer or the, the high-end car owner, um, they're exposed by many mobile detailers, and the great majority of them are not, let's say, not as professional. You know, because right. when you when you're jumping into the detail business, you get a hose in a bucket and you put it in your trunk <laughs> of your car, and now you're a mobile detailer. Right. So um, that's what I do right those, now. <laughs> those that are well established and have all those type customers you mentioned, they had to work harder to prove that they're more professional. And they can handle those kind of cars because the other six guys before them that the customer talked to were just flaky jakes and yeah. didn't know what they were yeah, doing. Yeah, he has he's got to so. pay for lights. He's got to pay for all these people. You know what I mean? So it's a little bit it's perceived a more established place. You get what I'm yeah. saying? You, you, yeah, you're you're fighting an uphill well, battle. The, the professionalism sure. part is really where I tried to focus on because I you have a website. I don't. Uh, I have a Facebook and an Instagram, yeah. but I think I face. I, I think detail out of the back be. of my Impala. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, it's uh. But I, I when I advertise what I do, I also look at the chemistry behind everything I use. So I kind of try to use that as much as I can towards the professionalism, mm-hmm. like you were saying. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, and the, I mean, it's not saying that you can't attack that market. I definitely, if you have the bandwidth to do it, go ahead. Try and try and hunt those guys down, but don't don't get sucked down that hole too hard where you're just chasing it because. If they don't want you, you don't want them. Don't don't try and force somebody into your into yeah. your business model. Let them find you. If you build up your stance thing enough, eventually one of those guys who has a stance car might have something very expensive. He'll stance it out. He'll take his four five eight and stance it, which will freak everybody out. But <laughs> um, but there maybe that maybe that's your entry. But I would I, I would go back to really really hammer cultivate your market, cultivate your niche. Be be where you are and maximize it. And then if you've got some extra time, try and track down some, some for exotics for, for, fun. for fun. And it, maybe it turns into something, maybe it doesn't. But if you waste too much time chasing it, you might end up neglecting what's paying the bills that now. That goes for like almost everything in your life, by the way. If you just focus on the one thing, 
you'll get a lot of results out of it. If you're too scattered and looking at all the shiny things, which is what I'm guilty of, that's like my uh, <laughs> the thing that I'm trying to work on here. You'll, you'll be much better. I, I can't. I think we all agree with Dylan there. Life Focus advice. on those. At the end of this, can you fo- like uh, audio chop in dun, 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 the, the more you know music. the star flying? Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> like the, the NBC more, more you know thing. Know. Okay. Awesome. Enjoy your blue M&Ms. Thank you and very much. Best thank of luck to you, man. Best of luck. And hey, no, thank you. All right. We got maybe one more, you think? Uh, Two more? It's, it's, we're at 45 minutes. We have five more minutes, so we can bang out a couple of quick questions. Okay. Quick questions. Who wants to go? This guy's working on my car at Jane B. Uh, Body Works, so he gets to come in. Okay. I'm pulling rank right now. <laughs> Sounds good. It's your podcast. His, 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 the he's the quality control Does person. Does he want green so. or red M&Ms? Uh, um, I don't mind whichever color. Right. They, they Guess t- what? It tastes like chocolate at the end of the day. <laughs> Both. That's how, that's how I roll. Appreciate it. So, hi, guys. My name is Bogar. I'm from New York. And uh, my question is, the automotive industry is a very big market. So, how, whether you're a detailer or... Um, whatever it may be in the industry, how do you keep up with all these trends? You know, like customers before weren't as informed as they are now. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you got ceramic, ceramic pros, you got um, waterless washes, you got different products that are being thrown out there. And consumers now, they're up to par with what's going on. Like, how do you stay ahead of them as far as like all these trends that are happening in the industry? Jason, do you want to comment or should I take that one first? You want me to go? <laughs> I was distracted by what's going on over hey, here. So. shiny objects. Squirrel! Repeat. Uh, he wants to know how, with all the changes and things and coatings and waterless washes and all that crazy stuff, the way the market changes and the demands of the customers change, how, how, how do we recommend him keeping up? keeping up or staying ahead okay. of the curve, basically? I'm going to have two answers for you, and they're going to seem contradictory, but um, it's, it's a balancing act. So the first answer is don't try and keep up because you're going to get barraged with all kinds of options on new products. and. And if you try and do a deep dive and learn every new product that comes across your desk, you're going to spend all of your time doing that and less time serving your customers, making money, putting food on the table. Yeah. Amen to that. <laughs> Amen to that. Yeah. Now, having said that, the other thing... Try every single product you know. <laughs> <laughs> trial and error, right? And by the way, if you tried ammo, you yeah. should definitely try that. Yeah, uh, I recommend Reflex and a skin. Oh, there you go. It works wonders. I have it on my car. The other thing to stay in tune with major trends that are going on. So not, not individual products that come at you because you're going to get you're going to get exposed to a lot of products. Uh, there's many, many companies in this industry that want to get your attention to some new widget, new new product. But pay attention to learning new technologies and new trends that are happening. Um, so look at look at the bigger action things that are that are changing, uh, and then pay attention to the products that are coming out of those trends. And yeah. try not to be too flavor of the month because every everything is the new best thing that ever happened. Yeah. I mean, every other day the best thing ever was released, which is incredible. It means that things are only the best for like a day. Um, but uh, don't don't get sucked into the hype immediately. Mm-hmm. Wait and see if you have some time to test it. But and also kind of to Jason's point, if you if you're doing that, you're getting away from your core business testing products instead of actually using products. When you find something that works, if it's working for you, yeah, stick with it. Stick with it. There's not a reason to change just because something's new doesn't make it better. When you have a chance to test it and see if it maybe makes you more efficient, produces better results, then okay, great. That's a good time to do it. But uh, it was it was like when the Mark II came out. Um, everybody with an ES tool immediately thought, it, "Oh, this this doesn't work anymore." It's like, no, we just have a better one now. The one you had was working fine until you knew about this, right? So. Don't don't abandon your current just because there's something else. Stick with what works and find time to validate new processes and things. And um, come to events like this. It's a good place to talk to other guys. I mean, this was a couple hundred, four or five hundred people were here today. A lot of them have used things. So you can start a conversation with somebody. Hey, what are you using? Oh, I haven't tried that. How do you like it? You can learn in, in an environment like this pretty easily. But don't get distracted by all the noise out there, yeah. quite frankly. I stick with the same exact thing all the time, and it seems... Seems to be working. Every once in a while, you add one in. You, maybe you pull one out. You test on the weekend. You have some fun. You want to mm. play with something great, but you start looking at all the shiny things. You kind of lose, you know, lose focus, and you don't. Yeah, like actually. in other words, like one of the, the you told one of the gentlemen, just specialize in a certain area. You're gonna do paint protection film. Stick to paint protection film. Vinyl wraps or or um, just coatings. I guess just stick to your strong point and just l- figure. I mean, you I can guess. offer a bunch of things, but I think that the saying goes, you, you, you serve everyone, you serve no one kind of thing. Like yeah. If you're doing everything, you can't be like, the, the way that you like dominate the market is be the best at like one particular thing. There could be some ancillary things, of course, but I'm just saying in general, focus on that one thing and then destroy everyone. And like you are 
the person for that. Yeah, just yeah. do that. And then lots of good things will come from that. But if you do 50 things, yeah, you're kind of average at 50 things. It yeah. stinks. Makes sense. All right, All right, guys. Appreciate it. Good question. No Thank worries. You. Go hustle on my car, please. <laughs> uh, yeah, Wednesday. We'll see each other Wednesday. Yes, Wednesday. <laughs> we All right. One, one more. last one. Yeah, we can do. We can do one more. Yeah, we're one at, more. We're at 50 Anybody? Minutes. All right. He's the only with his hands up. Come on up. Come on up. Send some. Send some M and M's. Thank down. you, guys. We're running out of stuff, Jason. Send some M and M's this way. <laughs> there you go. A signed jar of green Jason Rose signature M and M's. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. My name's David. I'm from New York. I'll try to make it quick. That's uh, there's a guy second here. There's a, a burnout contest going on outside right now. outside. Speaking of hustling on your car, Larry, I know we're all intently following the progress on the Porsche. Yes, me too. And it and it looks like over the last few days, without giving away the, the body shop secrets, of course, or understanding what they do, can you explain a little bit about the process where it seems like you sand it in between clear coats, right. which is something called clear, I forget, flow coating or something like that. I, I heard some terms on the on the internet. I don't know if it's if that's accurate, but right. What they're basically doing in my particular car, they're using Bentley paint, which happens to be the same paint coat as Porsche and Bentley. This is confusing me. I was like, is it either Porsche or Bentley? And they're like, well, we use it on Bentleys, but it's the same thing. Anyway, so the, <laughs> what they do on Bentleys, um, the, it's more of the process. Right. So uh, after they they put the base coat down, mind you, before this they've sanded that the heck out of it, like to an absurd amount of sanding. Did you go down to the bare metal? Oh yeah. Okay. Cool. Just wait till, <laughs> wait till you see the video. We put. Um, this is I can't. This is our dream. <laughs> it's airplane um, stripper. Aircraft stripper. Okay. Air, air, it's insane. Um, so they did that, anyways, and they they filled it all in. It's perfectly straight. Then they put um, a thing called sealer on it because the reason I was there was the rust. The rust. So now there's it's impo- I can throw this thing in the ocean and it's not going to get rusted okay. anymore. So they put that down. Then they put a base coat down. Then they sanded the base coat. After that, um, it was. You know, it was look sanded. It was all rough. Then they put the um, uh, the clear coat on. I believe I'm getting confused because we did so many different things. Yeah. But what you're asking about, and specifically, there's somebody revving an engine in the background. Uh, what they're uh, what you're asking about specifically is we put uh, two coats of clear coat on. After the second coat, they pull the first coat was on. They put we did 15 minutes at 130 degrees. I think that's okay. right. After 15 minutes, the guy came back in and put a second coat. Now, mind you, the arm speed of that coat was very fast. Okay. So from, right. from one to four, this arm speed got slower and slower, Okay. which means putting more, more and more and more, more product. So coat one, fast, 15 minutes, 130. Coat two, a little, a little bit slower. Sorry. No, it, it, you know. There's a car mate. There's a car mate. So, yeah, it is. Um, a little bit slower. And then uh, sanded again. And then uh, actually, it stayed over, stayed overnight, sanded. Then the next day, they repeated the same exact process. So it's it was two and two. Two and two. But it's 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 a little bit confusing because that's not And they sanded in world. between. From what I believe, yeah. Because okay, okay. when I showed up the next day, I was like, oh my god, it's all sanded. I'm like, what are we doing on this thing? And they're just. And so on the fourth coat, I have a video of it. It's insane. He barely moves. It's like he's like barely moving. And we're on podcast. You can't tell, but. He's laying down an insane amount of clear. I mean, yeah. it was almost like it was dripping off the car, but there was no runs. Right. I mean, even the painter was like, whoa, because they used a different kind of clear, like they called in some guy or whatever. So it was like a special clear um, that's new, whatever. So okay. it's going to be the only thing that I'm w- a little worried about, but it's because I touched it when it was still, <laughs> when you're probably not supposed to be touching it. Right. It just scratches like instantly, like right. in like. You can look at it and it gets scratched. Yeah, it's beautiful it, work, and you're gonna you're gonna never be able to drive it, into it again. the side at the racetrack, right? D- that's what I said to them, and they laugh. And I was like, I can't. It's it's against like my rules and religion to yeah. not drive this car. Mm-hmm. So, and it's an inevitable. And I'm telling everybody on the podcast, and I'm telling everybody in the video, I'm gonna stack the car at some point because that's part of the, the game. Mm-hmm. So, I'm just getting the guilt away already. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm putting a clear bond on the whole thing, and it's gonna okay. look incredible. But um, yeah, it's been five months so far, so I'm sure. So really I'm fast sure process. It. It's a it's a fast process, but these guys are also right. overly insane, so it's great. That's what it sounds. And and the guys, the guy named Joe is the one of the guys in charge. I guess he's Joe. Joe, it's, yeah, they're, they're pretty cool to approach. And yeah, you can approach them. I uh, yeah, I wouldn't okay. go in the back door or anything. No, 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 they'll no, take no. you out. But yeah, no, these guys, you wouldn't want to mess around with these guys. But yeah, they're cool. And it's a Matt. That, where is he? The dude that was just before you. He works yeah. there. He was the quality control guy. So. Okay. When you watch the video, I've never seen this before in my life. It's a massive facility, but they have, uh, they have eight or nine different locations within the building. What do I mean by that? So this hall that we're in right now, that would be like one location. And the one location is 
hey, this is the place where the car comes in, a dude goes, walks around it, has the, uh, what's the sign-in sheet that we have for detailers? I'm thinking of the... Uh, checklist? The checklist for oh. the detailing. So they do that, like, hey, what's going on in the car? What's in the car? Blah, blah, blah. The next one is they remove everything, all the panels off the car. The next one... After, so oh, it's like okay. 50, I mean, but like militant, and yeah. they're pushing. And the interesting thing is my car is by far, and I'm not exaggerating this, the largest pile of crap in that place. It's insane. It's all Bentley, Rolls Royce. So right. they, they got all these huge contracts because they do this militant you know, okay. regimen about all the crap. So you'll see it in the video, and it's going to be pretty neat. That's so, really cool because yeah, it's cool. always difficult to find a good body shop. I yeah, mean, you, they're just they're such perfectionists that you're not going to get it back in a while, so you have to be okay with that. And on I'm sort of okay with it because I would have loved to have driven it today, but like, <laughs> yeah. it's going to be amazing when it comes out. So, cool. yeah, thanks for asking cool. about that. Well, thank you guys very much. No thank worries, you. man. Thank you. Great question. Any last one quick dying question from there? Burning on the inside. What? Acid rain watermark. So we're going to take okay. one more. We have, we're at 55 minutes. So we're going to okay. end at an hour. Your name? Uh, Luis Rivera. Luis was at our advanced class yesterday, by the way, too. So Closer to the mic. What's um, your question? Acerine, I have trouble around our way with a lot of watermarks and acerine, like heavy. Customers bring it in. Um, sometimes it's difficult to uh, get off. Mm -hmm. you, won't. you know, is there any way around it without wet sanding or, you know? If it's if it's true acid rain, so you have actual etching, like the, there's yes. a physical damage to the surface. Um, it's much like the same thing we talked about yesterday when you got severe enough damage. Um, for those who weren't at our advanced class yesterday, everybody listening to this podcast, um, we covered uh, basic sanding techniques. And so this would be an application where sanding may actually be faster, less invasive, um, and maybe even the only way to address the problem, given the depth of the mark, uh, the severity. If it's as bad as you're saying it is, then it might be, oh, it's time to bust out the, what do we learn? Foam-backed abrasive, interface pad, and you're going to do some sanding, some wet work, and uh, try and level that thing down before you try and polish it out. The other tip I can provide is um, any environmental contaminants like acid rain, industrial fallout, um, water spots, you need to consider them as two different types of defects at first. So they actually might be above surface and below. So there could be damage. There, there could be bonded stuff on top of the paint surface and then damage below the paint surface. So the strategy is you want to remove the bonded contamination first. So in all those cases, it could be the minerals from a water deposit. It could be the, the chemicals in the particulate and industrial fallout. In in those cases, you want to remove that above surface stuff. Get that out of the way. Reevaluate the paint to see if you have some damage underneath, and then treat that like a scratch. Treat it like a below surface defect, and and do the procedures accordingly. Yeah, yeah. it's on uh, on the glass too, front glass, side glass. Usually, some cars come in with put it on the windshield, yeah. back window. Sometimes it's hard. Mm -hmm. Try to polish them out with glass polish. It usually works, but sometimes they don't. Charge more. That's, I mean, I mean, it sounds simple, but a number yeah. of people would take that job and make, oh, yeah, water spots, I can take care of that. Yeah, charge no. more. You have, an, you have a water spot acid etching upcharge on your work, and you go, I'm going to need time to evaluate it, and if it determines that I need to sand it or there's extra steps involved, here's the detail price. Here's the detail price plus my markup to take care of that damage that you've got there. So, I mean, your time is worth something, and that's yeah. always something that detailers struggle with is uh, valuing their time appropriately. So I, I think would, because they love the job so much, which yeah. is amazing, but yeah. it's also like it's the Achilles heel. Your worst, your worst enemy. You're your own worst enemy in this yeah. situation. Right. Like, exactly. I want to make this car perfect. And right. You're going to spend an extra three hours, and you, you end up making, you know, $7 an hour, you yeah, know, yeah, whatever yeah. it is. You know yeah. what I mean? Charge for it. Yeah. But no, good question. I mean, that's that helped you, out. you yeah, got yeah, your green yeah, M&Ms, you got your uh yep, you're walking away with a microfiber pad. cutting pad yeah, to yeah, cut out some water spots. Yeah. All right, <laughs> we're at 58 minutes. Spots. Nothing right. nothing burning anybody else quickly from um, there. Nothing well, good. Let's let's do a quick rehash on anything interesting. We well you guys finished off that uh you guys were yeah. polishing on some stuff today? Yeah, Jason and I uh finished off the GT2 wing, which will be a video um about uh some interesting things that were happening with paint uh popping or solvent um over solvent carbon fiber popping. Solvent popping, thank you. I'm starting to fade now. <laughs> My brain is like, ugh, dripping wet. It's soaking wet. It's so hot in here. It's miserable. Um, but, yeah, so there's a lot of fun things. Uh, you know, I'll start winding up here. Of course, I want to thank detailersdomain.com for hosting us at this, was it the third or the second? Second. Second, second annual We're talking East about Coast, number three. Second annual East Coast Detailing Seminar with the Rufes team. Of course, Jason Rose and Dylan, huge thank you for hopping on the podcast and the videos and all thank the stuff. You. Lots and lots of people here. And, uh, Shout out to your boys 
who's uh, who's with you here today with your team? Jeremy oh, Harding. Jeremy Harding is here. He's wandering around still answering questions. And we had Kevin. Yeah, he's just cleaning up our mess. And then we had uh, Kevin from Kevin Arkham Avery. Shine. So uh, if you guys need a detailer uh, up in what, where, what city are you in, Kevin? New Milford, Milford Connecticut. Connecticut. He is about as good as they get. He's, we brought him in to help us be our uh, extra set of hands in the advanced class, and he's done a great job. So uh, thank you, Kevin. Yes. What's your website? ArkhamShine.com. He's don't, forget, don't forget the www. No, just one w. <laughs> w. <or laughs> the dub dub. The dub dub. All right. So uh, go to detailersdomain.com to find out more information for next year's event and uh, support Phil. He's been huge in uh, helping us out here and giving us the space. Um, of course, the Rupes team. These guys are great. And if you want to find this podcast, visit AmmoNYC.com for all 33 of the podcasts and videos and all that kind of thing. If you have any questions, of course, shoot me an email at Larry at AmmoNYC.com. As always, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.